it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So much going on. We just got a court date when it comes to uh, President Trump's document case. You're not going to believe it. It's not a year from now. It's not even January. Uh, We're talking about August. So we're going to find out how serious this is right away. And if you're looking at Will Barr, if you talk to Jonathan Turley, the most serious challenge yet, and the president could still be looking, the former president could still be looking at more indictments. Lucas Tomlinson will break down the China trip that the Secretary of State forced on Beijing and what it means, and Colonel Allen West on what's going on with our military, uh, Texas, and so much more. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If they did have a breach of some kind and it were to implode, it's over immediately and there's no suffering. So to me, the worst scenario is that they will run out of oxygen before they can be rescued. Don Lynch weighing in as an expert. I'm talking about Titanic takes more lives, perhaps. It seems like that as we hope for the best as the submersible disappears while exploring the Titanic wreck. The race is on to save them before the 96 hours of air is up. Number two. Important things for me to do on this trip was to disabuse our Chinese hosts of the notion that we are seeking to economically contain them. We're not. We are not about decoupling. Oh, my goodness. What's with him? Secretary of State Anthony Blinken just reeks weak. China. Our Secretary of State gets 10 hours of talk time when Blinken bungled. Uh, why he played a weekend weekly. Number one. Why not just hand them over then? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Uh, Sort of seen. That's Donald Trump, who sat down for an over an hour with Brett Baer. Brilliant interview. Trump speaks, fights, reflects and projects with four more years with him at the helm would be like. Meanwhile, President Biden is set to set in. uh, He's out in the West Coast. He's in campaign mode. Uh, with the rest of the undercard on both sides, prepare their game plans to take both men on, perhaps. When I mean undercard, I don't mean they're under, they're not worthy. I just mean they're not polling high. And in the case of Gavin Newsom's not in yet, but you got to feel he's watching President Biden close, who did not have to campaign last time. And that's why he won. We're watching him campaign. Do you see last week, God Save the Queen, not knowing how to leave the stage and being inaudible through most of a speech and having a dumb joke that fails. I mean, this is this is just the beginning for him. And if you think about his track record of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time that implodes his campaigns before, uh, not many people are optimistic. That's why I say the undercard. DeSantis is out in Woodlands, California, raising some money, and he's prepared. He's a solid second. Everybody else in single digits but a lot of talent. Last night, Donald Trump, to his immense credit, sat down with Fred Pear. Joe Biden sits down with nobody. He takes no press conferences. Donald Trump used to walk in and out of helicopters. He was his press secretary because he had Stephanie Grisham, who was so inept, couldn't even run a press conference. Now she turned on him, right, to book. And uh, then Donald Trump used to sit there and take questions, totally underappreciated. 
Well, last night he sat down despite having a lot of uh, legal challenges, knew he could get himself in more trouble if he says the wrong thing, not more trouble, but if he says the wrong thing legally, they could pigeonhole his case. And last night he did kind of give everybody his strategy. Cut one. So you're not worried about this case? Based on the law, zero. Zero. Presidential Records Act plus the act, plus the Clinton case, the Clinton case, which was won by Clinton as president because he took he took tapes of leaders in his socks. Uh, zero. OK, zero. And every good lawyer has said it. And you've seen that every good lawyer has said that. So uh, you went back and forth on the classified documents and you had to do it. They're so interesting is. He Donald Trump really could have got out of this documents case because the magistrate judge came out yesterday and said, you know what? I don't want. And Jack Smith asked for it, the prosecutor. I don't want him talking about classified documents. So when Brett went into the classified documents, he could say, Brett, I just been told by the judge. Don't bring it up. I, I don't want to provide. I don't want to give my attorneys more headaches. So I'm not going to talk about that case. And Brett Baer would have moved on because the it's a legitimate reason. But Trump is Trump. He feels like he can answer every question correctly and disabuse you of any notion that he might be guilty. Cut to. So like every other president, I take things out. And in my case, I took it out pretty much in a hurry. But people packed it up and we, we left. And I had clothing in there. I had all sorts of personal items in there. Much, much stuff. And then they said they went to DOJ to subpoena you to get them Which back. they've never done before. Right. They haven't. So he thought he was on a track to negotiate to get it out. He gave up 15 boxes. They negotiated. They wanted more. They came back, lock it up, back and forth. Then they said, oh, my goodness, in the 15 boxes he gave us, there were classified documents. We have to go in. And I know everybody says, well, you have to go in. The more I think about it, you didn't have to go in. On a, on the, the National Archives is glorified very important librarians. But they got in touch with the DOJ. The DOJ gets in touch with the FBI, and they do a raid bypassing the local Miami Bureau. Cut three. You want to talk about a mess? Take a look at Biden, where he's got 1,850 boxes. He has boxes stored in Chinatown in D.C. He has boxes stored at Penn Center, and he has boxes under his Corvette and around his Corvette, sitting in a garage for years, where it was very seriously classified. I have every right to have those boxes. This is purely a Presidential Records Act. This is not a criminal thing. In fact, the New York Times, of all, had a story just the other day that the only way NARA could ever get this stuff, this back, would be, please, 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 could we have it back? Yeah, I don't know what that can, where he's basing that on. Uh, but he doesn't usually make stuff up. It's usually based on something somebody bu- bu- briefed him on. Tom Fitton, who I like, uh, who has been his chief advisor. He's not a lawyer. But what Tom Fitton has been saying is, Mr. President, hold your ground because you're 100% right. But his lawyers are saying, let's go cut a deal or let's just give the documents back. And he didn't. A lot has to do with the advice he kind of seeks out and searches. But it frustrates his legal team. Cut four. There are 31 documents listed, nuclear capabilities of foreign countries, related to military capabilities of foreign countries, intelligence briefings on foreign countries. Why do you want to hold on to those documents after you're president? I don't say I do. You just didn't we know what was in the box? with NARA giving them back. All of a sudden, we've got raided, which is a violation of my, you know, Fourth Amendment rights. They raided my home. 
and they came and they took things. We were discussing this with NARA. And we went back and forth. I, I thought that the one thing that I thought Brett was unbelievably fair. And when you put something out there, you have to do a follow-up question. People were saying he was interrupting. Not really interrupting. He was just trying to to direct the question. And when the president got off, he would direct it back. But I thought it was in a very polite way. And Donald Trump does not mind tough questions. When you blow off and don't do your research like Leslie Stahl or George Stephanopoulos and you say stuff where Leslie Stahl goes, they, they lied about the laptop. The laptop was Trump. No, it wasn't. You know that wasn't true. You can't do anything with people like that who don't put the research in. But the one cut I want you to hear is the one cut when he runs through all what happened to his former staffers. Uh, and that is he goes through the the staffers who have turned on him. And he's gone back at them. Cut eight. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr. uh, Says you shouldn't be president again. Uh, Calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, Barr a a gutless pig. Uh, Your second defense secretary is not supporting you called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House Chief of Staff, John Kelly, weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House Chief of Staff, Mick Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock. And your first Defense Secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House Press Secretary, Kaylee milk toast, And multiple times, you've referred to your Transportation Secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China-loving wife. Well, she has a Chinese background, but she did a great job. Uh, But the fact is she's married to Mitch McConnell and she's loyal to her husband. They had a fracture of their relationship. Mick Mulvaney did a fantastic job. OMB director came over, chief of staff. I thought he was really strong. Uh, I don't know. General Kelly was never a good match. Everybody respects General Kelly, but it was not a good match for the president. But he said, well, those are one in ten people. Uh, the most of the people like me. Here's his answer, cut nine. Why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired 10 to 1 that were fantastic. We had a great economy. We had phenomenal people in charge of the economy. We had phenomenal people in the military. I'm not a fan of Millie, and I'm not a fan of certain of the television people. But I knocked out ISIS. I defeated ISIS. They said, Mattis, it would take three years, and I don't think we can do it. I did it in a period of, like, four weeks. There's a lot of people who praise you for your policies. I just said true. that. That's true. Well, I mean, you just went through a list. But don't forget, for everyone you say, I had 10 that love us. So we'll see. He's leading in the polls, but 53 to 22. Uh, we'll see what this interview does. And, again, they just announced August 18th this whole thing gets started. And I, I thought Brett was unbelievably fair last night. And then you'll see tonight – Part two, and then you see the second half. Tell me what you're going to do in the second half. It wasn't just, I'm just going to beat you up like you saw on CNN. It was, I'm going to talk about the indictment, the historic indictment, and I think Trump expected it. Then I'll talk about the polls, then talk about what you did. But you everything that Brett read off, I mean, Donald Trump wrote that. So how could you be mad at Brett Baer? When we come back, Lucas Tomlinson will break down the Secretary of State's trip to China, the impact of it, and so much more than Lieutenant Colonel Alan West on the building of Chinese spy stations in Cuba. They're now open up four different installations. Are we going to accept that 90 miles off our coast? Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. 
politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side. We continue to expect the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. We remain committed to meeting our responsibilities under the Taiwan Relations Act, including making sure that Taiwan has the ability to defend itself. Secretary of State Blinken, after getting 10 hours with various officials, including President Xi in China and Beijing, leaves with one thing. They agreed to talk again, maybe in Washington with his counterpart, Ms. San Francisco, with the next uh, conference, and we'll see what happens from there. With me right now is Lucas Tomlinson, Fox News correspondent. Lucas, a lot of people have jumped on the Secretary of State for saying Taiwan independence were not for it. In one way, he's being accurate, correct? That's right, Brian. First of all, it's great to join you. And you're right, it's been longstanding U.S.-China uh, policy for decades uh, that the U.S. does not support independence. However, what have we been hearing about for months? We've been hearing about strategic ambiguity. Uh, there was not much a- ambiguous uh, about nothing ambigu- ambiguous about what uh, Blinken said there, Brian. Right? It's like he said the uh, the quiet part out loud. But to be fair. Uh, this has been longstanding uh, U.S. policy. But we also find that from the Wall Street Journal, we, uh, the uh, the Cubans are now hosting China to build four separate installations 90 miles off our coast. And the Chinese go, well, you guys are Taiwan. That's 100 miles off our coast. What's the big deal? That's right. I mean, you know, newsflash, both countries uh, spy on each other. Both countries consider each other adversaries. Uh, and this is what this is what happens. I mean, Cuba is an independent country. China's an independent country. They can do what they want. But it's certainly alarming when you realize that China's sphere of influence is growing. You know, they want to be a world power. President Xi has stated that he wants to be able to not only invade Taiwan in, in the next few years, but also he wants a navy that's global. I mean, look at these uh, these recent provocations. Uh, even going back before Blinken's trip to Beijing, you had uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin going to Singapore. Couldn't even get a meeting with his Chinese counterpart. Was snubbed. Uh, in fact, one of the things that the the Blinken wanted to have happen in this uh, trip to Beijing was to set up military to military like a crisis hotline, if you nope. will. That's yeah. similar. It didn't happen. So it's a long way to go to Beijing, right, Brian? Just to be told, let's meet again. But, you know, Lucas, I don't think it's acceptable that we should just say they can build uh, spy stations in another country. I mean, Taiwan has been an ally of ours. It's a little bit different. It has been a democracy. And since the 50s, we used to recognize it as single China. It's a lot different than Cuba, a communist country who we stare down uh, the Soviet Union to avoid militarizing that. Now we're just going to let it happen? Right. And remember when uh, the looks that way, Brian. Remember when uh, President Obama went to Cuba, was hoping to reset relations, uh, you know, and, and uh, now President Biden, he hasn't undone any of the things that uh, that President Trump did. We slapped, you know, 
sanctions and other things back on. So it seems like, you know, status quo. But it's it's certainly concerning. You know, again, you know, the, the U.S. military flies reconnaissance aircraft, some would call them spy planes, off the coast of China, that RC-135 that got buzzed by the Chinese fighter jet. You know, it's 20 miles off the coast. If, if the Chinese were to fly air uh, reconnaissance aircraft, uh, you know, off the coast of the U.S., you'd be yelling at me to get into a studio to, to report on it. So, uh, you know, this is what many lawmakers say is a new Cold War, Brian. Yeah, there's no question about it. Here's the president on Saturday about the spy balloon just decides to answer this question to a reporter. Cut 19. One of the things that balloon caused was not so much that it got shot down, but I don't think the leadership knew where it was and knew what was in it and knew what was going on. I think it was more embarrassing than it was intentional. What's he basing that on? Is he basing that on spin? Because it had sophisticated military equipment. It went over, directly went over these military installations. It wasn't just floating through the sky like a recreational apparatus. So what's he basing that on? Do you know? Well, no idea, Brian, but short answer, the uh, many Republicans pushed back saying this wasn't embarrassing for China. This was embarrassing for the United States. It was embarrassing for the Biden administration. Let's face it, when this thing was first discovered over the Pacific, many people wanted to see it shot down then. This thing should not have flown over the Aleutian Islands, should not have flown over Alaska. And by the way, when it was doing that long, slow uh, float, if you will, from Canada, uh, you don't need to be a sailor to recognize a little dead reckoning where it was going, you know, estimated position in the next few days. And the fact that the president wasn't briefed, you know, for days, it was just a mess. And that slow walk across the United States, you know, President Biden acts like uh, nobody knew where he was going. The leadership didn't know. So it just happened to be floating over some of the U.S. military's most sensitive sites, including Minot Air Force Base, home to, you know, nuclear missiles and, and nuclear capable bombers. You know, most lawmakers push back hard on that and says it's ridiculous. And of course, Chinese government, it's a, it's a communist country. Of course, they, the leadership know. Nothing happens by accident. And by the way, I think that's one of the reasons uh, Lloyd Austin got snubbed in Singapore. You know, they want central control. This is a communist nation. They don't want to empower uh, military leaders. You know, they don't want, you know, a Gulf of Tonkin incident where a, a low level uh, you know, officer is granted the freedom to do stuff. I digress. They're to bring in Gulf of Tonkin. So interesting. Uh, is there any way to find out what was in that balloon? The Biden administration has been real tight-lipped. I think the only people that truly know what's going on are the Chinese. When there were claims that the U.S. blocked sensitive intelligence from being beamed back into Beijing, how do they know that? Nobody knows that unless some uh, Chinese uh, general defects. I don't think we'll ever know, Brian. And by the way, remember when they said that the apparatus you know, fell in one piece into the ocean from 40,000 feet, which let's face it, a lot of people uh, were a little skeptical about that. Uh, where, where are the parts? You know, where, where is this? Where's that dog and pony show? We haven't seen any of that stuff. And why? It's very clear what officials say. You know, the White House wants a rapprochement. That's why Blinken got on that plane. There's no doubt he's paving the way for President Biden to meet President mm-hmm. Xi, maybe in New Delhi in September at the G20 summit, or believe it or not, right here in the United States uh, in, in the fall. Yeah. And Lu- uh, Lucas, if you want to get their attention, make friends with India. And that's exactly what we're doing. Modi's coming to town. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This was a weaponization of politics. This was a weaponization of the White House. This was a horrible thing. A candidate that's leading, I'm leading Biden by a lot, 
they go out and they weaponize. So based on the polls, I'm leading Biden by a lot. Based on the polls, I'm leading all of the Republicans by a lot, by 40 points and more. Uh, right now, I have the best polls I've ever had. People see this stuff for what it is. It's a political witch hunt. It's a continuation. He's up 53-23 on Ron DeSantis, and that is true with this big field. At this point in 2015, he had he was at 1%. So obviously he's established with the Republicans, but can he win a general? And that is President Trump sitting down with Brett Baer last night. This just came across a short time ago. The judge, Cannon, uh, Eileen Cannon, who the president nominated and approved, uh, has now in a stunningly rapid pace decided the trial date will be August 14th. Now, I was talking to Chris Christie, and he says, for those people who think it's going to take a while, I think it could start as early as January. It would be right in the middle of the primary right after Iowa. August 14th is unbelievably quick. So, you know, there's going to be delays. But the fact is that she's looking to move that quick has gotten everybody by surprise. And this news just in. Hunter Biden has reached a deal to plead guilty in tax and gun cases in The Washington Post. It says uh, Hunter has reached a tentative agreement with the federal prosecutors to plead guilty on two minor tax crimes and admit to the facts of a gun charge under terms that would likely keep him out of jail. Any proposal plea that would be approved by the federal judge. Uh, And it was not immediately clear what day Hunter Biden might appear in court. So this guy's getting a pass just as everyone predicted. And the real story is the international business deals. Where is that money and how does it relate to the family? Uh, you can't say he got a pass now. Every Democratic and every MSNBC is going to go, look, Hunter paid the price. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West is probably not buying it. American Constitutional Rights Union Executive Director, former congressman in Florida. He joins us now from Texas. Colonel, welcome. First off, your reaction to the Hunter Biden minor charges. Well, it's good to be with you, Brian, and congratulations on 25 years there with Fox News. You know, when I think about Hunter Biden, once again, we have this dual system of justice, because I guarantee you, if that gun charge had been levied against me or any other private citizen, we would be doing felony time. As a matter of fact, the ATF is trying to make 10 to 20 million Americans felons for just having a piece of plastic uh, accessory on a firearm. But yet what Hunter Biden did was clearly a felony offense. So again, lied on a right, tax form, right? Lied. Yeah, and, uh, on and a lied gun on form. a tax form. Uh, on a gun form. That's a 4473. That's a felony offense. So, you know, you're right. The left is going to say, hey, he's he's uh, been been charged. He's paid the price for it. But uh, it once again shows the hypocrisy in our system of justice. And this is just uh, whitewashing these criminal charges against him. I mean, the bigger story was with James Comer, what James Comer's doing, uh, finding out. Uh, finding out what's going on with these international business deals by going through the banks. Instead of going through the Bidens, they're going through the banks and finding the shell companies, which is brilliant because the Bidens are pretty good at covering their tracks. I'm, I'm sure we all noticed. But now they're going the other way, bank by bank, and they're finding some really disturbing things. I mean, Joe Biden was going around the country as vice president, going around the world, saying, hey, here's your billion dollars, hand-delivering aid. Who ever heard of that? Yeah, and, and again... 
when you think about the millions of dollars that have been doled out within the Biden family, uh, non-family members, just flip the script. And what if this were uh. being said about Donald Trump? You know exactly what I'm about to say. And his family and everything of that nature, then you would see something completely different. They, they would be screaming once again, lock him up, what have you. And, you know, speaking about the, the, the trial that's going to occur down in Miami, I think that it's a good thing. Get this thing out of the way. Stop with the media circus. We don't need it to drag on forever. Uh, these charges have been brought forward, so let's put the onus on the government to bring their case, uh, because I think they got a high mountain to climb with what they're trying to do uh, to President Trump, which, again, two systems of justice. Why isn't that the case with Joe Biden? Yeah, I'm just uh, just to get the instant analysis. Uh, Hunter Biden, the minor charges, the gun and the uh, paying the tax bill. So one point two million they didn't pay. And where's that money? Number one, I know you're a drug addict and people can relate to that. With drug addicts, you just go to the bottom. I don't care if you make 20 million or 20 dollars. They're going to they have to hit bottom. Looks like he did. I hope he turned the corner. But in the meantime, what did he do? And he's well, who how many people have? Uh, a benefactor pay a $2 million tax bill for you. That's incredible. And it wasn't his dad. It was some rich producer that he's living with over in Malibu. Yeah, and think about it also. You still have the paternity uh, case that is against Hunter Biden in Arkansas. So he's going to have to disclose his uh, revenue streams there as well uh, because he can't continue to say, I I can't afford to take care of this child that I had. And, oh, by the way, my family uh, doesn't even recognize her. So the the hole is a lot deeper than I think what people realize. And you're right. It's a brilliant move by Representative Comer to go toward the banks and look at these suspicious activity reports and start piecing it together that way instead of, you know, going and asking the Bidens, what were you doing? Because we're uncovering, like you said, all these shell companies, which where there's f- smoke, there's fire. So I'm looking at this uh, Jack Smith. Uh, you know, he's a killer. And they and this guy goes for the jugular. Why would Merrick Garland, knowing that he's in an unprecedented situation, go to get somebody this aggressive, drag him out of The Hague, when he failed to get Menendez, blew that case. He failed to get John Edwards, yeah. blew that case. And when it came to the governor of Virginia, he's so overcharged, and a jury found him guilty. The governor of Virginia had $23 million to have this thing looked at, had all these letter of recommendation that he was just a politician, uh, he was just a politician doing things that were best, he thought, for his state. That a federal, did the Supreme Court overturned the verdict 9-0. So listen to McDonald talk about what this guy Jack Smith is like. My case, you know, uh, Michael, uh, it's it's long in the past uh, now, uh, but uh, we wrote a 38-page brief we gave the government in advance telling them why their theory of the case were wrong. We had amicus briefs filed by people like the former uh, White House counsel for five U.S. presidents from Reagan to Obama, uh, 83 former attorneys general saying why this was wrong, and yet, you know, they— Persisted, And so, you know, what I get out of that is uh, I think he's uh, been overzealous in some of these so-profile cases. He's willing to stretch the law. John Roberts called it a boundless interpretation that would catch up uh, politicians in their ordinary acts that they do for uh, people. And I, and I think it's just uh, says maybe a lack of judgment. And uh, that's the concern that I get out of my case and the others. So you would think that a guy like Merrick Garland would be very judicial and very reserved when it comes to doing something as unprecedented. Instead, he gets this maniac out 
who wants to, you know, he's supposed to look for justice, not a prosecution. And he goes ahead. Now it's going to be, we're going to see this guy on trial August 14th with the former president of the United States. Your thoughts about the case as it was spelled out? I mean, you're not a lawyer, but. Well, I will tell you that evil always overplays its hand. And I think the emotionalism of the left to try to damage and destroy Donald Trump makes them do irrational things. And and this is just a continuation thereof, just the same as the impeachments that they had, impeachment of a phone call, and this uh, Russian hoax and things of this nature. So they continue to overstep their bounds. They continue to really uh, damage themselves. And again, Maybe by the end of this year, if, if we stick with this 14 August court date, uh, they will have severe egg on their face. And that's only going to boost Donald Trump even more so before the first primary happens next January. So they have rolled the dice. I think they've come up with snake eyes once again. And in the long term, politically, I think it's going to undermine and damage them. And it's going to once again affect their credibility with their, you know, ravenous, uh, delusional, deranged leftist base. So who's your, Colonel, who are you picking? Uh, Who's the nominee you like to see get the nomination? Well, I got to tell you right now, I think that it's going to end up being Donald Trump. We can say what we want as far as him not being able to make it in the general election. But the more they come after him, the more they strengthen him. And I, I have Democrats out here when I travel around saying that, you know, we just can't continue down this path. It's not so much about the person, but they're looking to see the direction that the country is headed. And if Donald Trump can show self-discipline, like he talked about with uh, with Brett Baer, and, you know, focus on the policies, focus on the issues, and come up with the solutions and restore this republic, our national security, our foreign policy, our economic security, energy security, border security. Uh, He's going to walk away with this. I really believe so. I just love the first story in the Washington Post. And by the way, we're looking at two stories right now that just broke. Uh, A judge on the Trump classified documents case says August 14th. That is a rapid turnaround. That's exactly what Jack Smith wanted. That should not be the case. They should go. uh, The president turned down his right for a speedy trial, but they don't care, it seems. And Hunter Biden has reached a plea deal on tax and gun cases. And the first story in The Washington Post right now is Joe Biden shouldn't be as unpopular as Trump, but he is. And they talk about them basically in a bit of dead heat. With all the media just covering for his ineptness, with his inability to walk off stage or make a sentence, his inordinate uh, catchphrases at the end of almost every speech, uh, the dumb things he said about Taiwan, how he's discordant with his own secretary of state. And yet they still uh, they're in a dead heat despite two indictments and maybe two more coming before I let you go. Colonel West, I got to ask you about uh, Juneteenth was yesterday. People talking about where African-Americans are in America today. And one thing is pretty clear. People have seen Black Lives Matter miss an historic opportunity to help the black community. Instead, with the corruption that we've all seen, uh, it is now uh, their popularity is in all time low. About 51 percent of adults right now said they support the BLM movement. Your thoughts? 
Well, BLM was a Marxist organization that just extorted uh, money to promote an ideological agenda. But what I want people to understand, the whole purpose of, of Juneteenth is really to celebrate Republicans freeing the, uh, the slaves who were put so in that position by Democrats. Uh, it was a Republican president, first one, who created the Emancipation Proclamation. It was a Union general who landed there in Galveston, uh, Texas, to let the slaves here in Texas know on June 19th of 1865 that they were free. And guess what, Brian? Two years later, on July the 4th of 1867, 150 black men who just found out two years prior that they were free created the Republican Party of Texas, which is the country's largest state Republican Party. So that really is the legacy of Juneteenth, is that the Republicans have always stood for liberty and freedom for all people. The Democrats have always been about enslavement. All right. Thanks so much, Colonel West. Great point. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, appreciate it. Over in Texas. So riding the breaking news. So listen, we've given you a lot. I want to hear what you have to say. one 408 Hunter Biden reaches a plea deal. August 14th is when this historic trial comes on the former president of the United States. Get ready, guys. This is going to get intense. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. He has an uncanny knack of being able to put himself at the centre of at the news cycle. And so um, he, he gets his message across one way or the other. Um, and you're right, uh, he put it very well uh, that uh, the weaponization of the Department of Justice and the FBI has been protecting Joe Biden is now uh, both barrels being aimed against Joe Biden's chief rival, which is Donald Trump. Um, He knows what that's about, and so do his voters. I think, um, you know, it's already baked into the cake. I don't think it's any damage to him, uh, the classified documents story. I do think it's damaging to him, the classified documents, so it is overwhelming everything. You had uh, Tim Scott take on Barack Obama, got a little bit of a ripple. DeSantis is over in Woodlands taking on uh, taking on Governor Gavin Newsom, a little bit of a ripple. You have uh, Nikki Haley weighing in and everyone being talked about how it relates to Trump instead of how it relates to them. What kind of president would Nikki Haley be? Tim Scott, Governor DeSantis. And that's what they need. Vivek Brahmaswamy was the first one to embrace it and say, I'm pardoning him. Now we know the trial is going to start August 14th. If you're wondering, if, you're, if you got a whiplash, yeah. I mean, I was talking to all these experts and they said, this trial is not going to start until... Next November, and no one's going to start it if Trump gets a nomination right before an election. I'll put it on hold. And now Eileen Cannon says, get ready, August 14th. Get your security clearances. We're opening it up. Now, I was talking to Will Kane, who's also a lawyer. I was hosting with him today. And he said, Brian, rip the Band-Aid off. Get to it. And I know that's tempting. But I would, if I'm Trump, I want to get my legal team together. I want to think this through. I want to get a strategy out there. I want to start getting my message and my agenda moving forward. So I have this. I know I have a February trial with uh, Alvin Bragg in uh, in New York City, and who knows who's coming in Georgia. Ashley, listening on WABC. Hey, Ash. Ashley, you're on. A little bit of a delay. All right. Hunter Biden also, this is also came through, reaches a plea deal. This is the only thing that could really, as of now, could put him in jail. 
So the whole tax forgot to pay taxes on millions of dollars in the gun case where he didn't he lied about his background that he wasn't a he wasn't a drug addict and other things on his on his form in order to get a gun and he gets that beat he's going to get just probation it looks like and the combined liability is 1.2 million over 3 years that he's going to have to pay back and knowing him he's got a guy that's going to pay it back he already paid back 2 million in excess taxes now he's got 1.2 to go Pretty incredible. So Trump now, with all these indictments, with everything, still dominating 53-23. Here's Kellyanne Conway comparing it to Joe Biden. As I mentioned, the first story in the Washington Post is Joe Biden should be in, should not be as unpopular as President Trump, but he is. Cut 13. Well, it comes down to 11 letters. He's not Trump. 12 with the exclamation point. This is the way they see the Joe Biden presidency, his election in 2020, and his re-election in 2024. He's not Trump, and that's enough. Funny thing, though, the voters will have their say, not the donors, not the anchors, not the media. The voters know what they see, and what they see is a president they didn't realize was in such decline. In the ABC News poll last month, Jesse, clearly 6 in 10 Americans, 7 in 10 independents said Joe Biden lacks both the mental and physical acuity to do the job. He's every minute of 80. Everything that vexes and perplexes voters right now about Joe Biden is not going to change. It'll only get worse. And you know, one of the thing is because he's got to go on the campaign trail. And this is one thing I think is underappreciated. People say, what's going to be the difference in a rematch? You know, why, why do this again? Nothing's changed. A couple of things changed. Now you know Joe Biden for three years and what he's going to be like for four years. And then you're going to go say, do you need it for another four years? And you know his running mate is totally inept and inadequate, unprepared for the job, is lazy, and it doesn't have a dexterity of thought, being kind. And then you have, instead of saying, well, Joe Biden's better than Donald Trump, he'll bring a sense of normalcy in the middle of a pandemic. Now you have Trump going, wait a second, pandemic's over. Before that pandemic happened, no one could quite figure it out. What kind of country did we have? Inflation was low. Our defense was strong. Our overseas uh, commitments were limited. And the respect or feared factor around the world was pretty strong. Nobody liked, do you know anybody that likes Joe Biden's foreign policy? His domestic policy, they like the money he's spending, the green energy he's putting in. But in that small section, that's all Democrats. Joe Biden's going to have to earn this. That's trouble for him. From the Fox News radio studios in midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. Uh, this is, uh, we have two breaking news stories. One, Hunter Biden, is looks like he's got a settlement. He's got a plea deal. He's not going to get any jail time. Just probation for weapons charges, uh, lying on a gun form, as well as tax evasion, $1.2 million. Avoid jail. This is just a slap on the wrist everybody was talking about. And then Donald Trump, the motion's been filed. The judge, Cannon, says, get ready for August 14th. Doug Collins in studio with us, a former ranking member of the U.S. House Judiciary Committee, author of The Clock and the Calendar. And then we're going to have Molly Lyon at the bottom of the hour to ride some of this breaking news and simulcast with Varney and company. So, uh, Congressman, with your legal background, first off on the Hunter Biden situation, uh, slap on the wrist, not a big surprise. Uh, it's not going to go well for Republicans. They, they see an absolute reinforcement of a double standard. Yes. 
Yeah, completely. I mean, this is, uh, again, and, and there's two parts here. Number one, you know, the tax charges, everything else. I mean, this has been brewing for a long time. Why it took this long, who knows. But then the gun part as well. The hypocrisy of the left on this gun issue has been amazing to me from the start. I mean, you have him, you know, lying to get a gun. Then you had it being, you know, thrown away in a trash can. I mean, if the left was truly serious about guns, this would be one they have to say, they have to say well, we have to punish our own as well. And, and this is what you see. You have places that this is just frustrating that this is this double standard that this getting applied to Hunter Biden. You mean the president who's saying to everyone who had having assault weapons banned, oh, yeah. we can't even handle there's there's a huge standard with the with the handgun. Yeah, it's a huge standard. Look at Chicago. You know, look at they always blame it, but yet they have fewer prosecutions. U.S. Attorney's Office and others have fewer prosecutions of gun crimes in Chicago. That and yet they keep claiming the straw purchases coming out of Indiana and everywhere else. But okay, where are the cases? There are no cases because they don't make these. They don't make these charges. They don't put the resources to them. They like to talk about it to take your guns completely, but they don't want to prosecute what's on the law. But when you look at Hunter Biden, people aren't talking about the crack, the hookers, yeah. the laptop. The laptop is real, obviously. Yep. Uh, number two is they're looking at the international business deals, mm-hmm. and it's really smart for James Comer instead of looking at the Biden finances, which have been secured and everyone knows they're going to be looking. He's looking at the uh, suspicious account activity and going to the banks that filed it and working his way backwards that way. And he's seeing a lot. Yep. But you know, the one thing that's interesting here, though, and, and look, I'm glad Jamie's doing this. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's showing out a lot of stuff. It's showing different members. I mean, how are these members getting paid this money? And talking about tax evasion charges, where was this being shown up? You know, where On any of these LLCs, where were the tax filings on these? Where are the, the stuff going? But my concern here is this is that the DOJ, the left, and others will now say Hunter Biden is behind us. He pled guilty. He's on probation. And they will try to avoid everything else. So the president put out this statement through a spokesperson. Uh, the president, the first lady, love their son and support him as he continues to rebuild his life. We will have no further comment. And we know the president's been lying. He knew that laptop was his son's. He looked into the mm-hmm. camera and said 51 intel experts say it's classic Russian disinformation. And we also know when he says I knew nothing about my son's overseas business dealings. Now it looks like it's the exact opposite. He set him up in the Burisma job mm-hmm. and was over there. At the time. And now we walked over with a billion dollars. Who hand delivers <laughs> American aid? Yeah, it, it, it is pretty wild. But also the problem is you get to the point the left actually is asking you to suspend logic. When you see pictures of Joe Biden and executives from these foreign countries, you see them with Hunter Biden. And to simply say, I don't know who these people are, you can't write these off as photo ops. These were in, in leisure conditions. They were not at a fundraiser where everybody's just running through getting a picture. This is, again, the double standards being set up here is amazing. I have another interesting comment because the second thing that you actually talked about here. Why is all of a sudden this being released today on the same day that you have the judge in the Trump case also announcing the uh, preliminary trial to start date? And I'll add something else to it. Today's the Durham report. John Durham comes in front of the House and he he starts expanding on the Durham report. That's it. It swamps it. Now, let's just say this. This is the other story. August 14th, a judge in the Trump case says preliminary trial date. Now, you got the the background in um, you got the legal degree. Uh, Trump and his 37 counts, including uh, willful retention of national documents. Cannon announced the preliminary court date uh, today, but the the final date for Trump's uh, trial is likely to change as the former president will try, try to delay it. But the question is, I thought early was January. <laughs> now we find out early is August 14th. So now if you're the president on the president's legal team, it consisted of two lawyers right now. Yeah. Right, two lawyers. As far as we know, yes. 
So what do you do now? So you find out that Eileen Cannon, who you appointed, mm-hmm. says get ready by August 14th. You're shocked. It's a rapid a rapid trial, exactly what Jack Smith wanted. What do you do? Yeah, Smith wanted this. But well, the question is going to come is how secure is the Trump legal team in Florida? And I think that's becoming the issue that he's had the ones who represented, but they had to have the, the Security local. clearance. Well, they had – and also had to have the local team as well. They had to have a Florida who was admitted to that bar to actually practice there. That was going to be another issue coming up. Now you've thrown this on top. In addition to security clearances to get the information, you're now trying to go to, quote, preliminary. And, I love, and that's the reason she used preliminary in this word. You're trying to go to trial in roughly, what, six weeks from now. I just don't see that happening. Number one, the new lawyers coming on board have got to get up to speed with everything that's been done. They've got to get up to speed with the, the documents in question. They've got to have the, – There are no the, rush. No, and there's no rush from the Trump title on this at all. The, but the interesting question here is we've not even discussed pretrial motions. We've not even discussed the whole pretrial practice, which was you – know, if you remember back when the Alvin Bragg situation was up here, that was going to be the next big thing. These have not even been discussed. So you would have to – I mean the time frame, if you were just have a sort of a – Black and white case shut, you know, six weeks. Yeah, maybe this is not that. I don't see this actually happening uh, on August 14th. I'm not even sure you have pretrial motions hearing before August 14th. You may, but we'll see how it goes. Why do this then? Does, she, does to, that to move show, it along. To move it along. To move it along. Yeah. So, for example, Doug Collins, if you're representing President Trump and we're talking about the highest classification of documents reportedly, Supposedly. you got to go get security clearance. Mm-hmm. So let's say you didn't have it. You probably right. you would, you would probably it takes a reinvigorate. While. Okay. So now you got to get the highest in order to look at the evidence and then you assess what kind of defense I'm going to have. Right. So you got to get that team. It's got to be okay. You've got to look at that stuff. So you got to go through it. Um, number two is the key is going to be the pretrial motions to see what you can get tossed out. Mm-hmm. For example, is was it right that Evan Corcoran testified against his client? Mm-hmm. Or was it right that evidently there's a lot of witnesses, pool boys and attendants, who felt as though they, they were pressured to testify against their will or say things mm-hmm. that weren't necessarily true? They're going to step forward. And did they overcharge to begin with? So those pretrial motions are going to mean a lot. They will. And if you've heard, if you've listened to any of the Trump legal team, even the ones who are not on it now, that was the main conversation was these pretrial issues. The, you know, the, the, all the way back to the subpoena for the, the warrants and everything else. All of this is, is fair game in this, in this process. So to me, and again, as of this moment, have not heard from the Trump team or Trump legal team on this new date as far as what they say. Um, at least I haven't seen it. And so we're looking at it. When they come out, what are they going to say? Hopefully this will be from his legal team saying, okay, well, this is good, but here this will start the process moving forward. So we know today, uh, yesterday, a judge, Jack Smith, requested that the president, uh, the the former president, no longer talk about the classification of these documents, which might have been given him a pass when Brett Baer walks up to him and says, listen, Tell me about these documents, what you had. He goes, listen, a magistrate judge just ruled I should not be talking about the documents. Yeah. He could have gotten out of that conversation. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, either, either way he could have. Right. Yes. I, I mean, mean yeah. if it's you. Just you say, I'm just not going to talk about it. Yeah. yeah, I can't really talk. You could say no. Yeah. Or you could also say, listen, I'd love to, but a judge <laughs> just ruled I don't need any more trouble. Right. And he could have been able to move on. But that's not Trump's speed. <laughs> no. Trump said, I'll take it on head on. Here's what he said about possibly the most disturbing thing, and that's the audio tape from Mark Meadows' biographer, Listening to President Trump talk about General Milley said that there was an attack plan to attack Iran. So the president got into that conversation. And evidently in the audio it says, now this is highly classified material. Uh, this is how I'll just paraphrase. So, but, you know, I can't declassify it because I'm not president. Here's what the president said about that. Cut five. Why not just hand them over then? Because I had 
boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but I've according very, to the indictment, busy. you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things, uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. I would say much, much more, not that I know of, but not that I know of, but everything was declassified. And Biden didn't have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Nor did Mike Pence, by the way, have the right to do that because he wasn't president. So what are your thoughts about how this is going? (laughs) Uh, Again, just from a strictly legal point, would you ever have your client discuss a case like this? Probably not. Okay, but you you just said a few minutes ago, this is Donald Trump. Donald Trump's going to go after it. He feels like he's been wronged and he's been under attack by these same department, Department of Justice for so long. Um, And really what I saw and I've said this earlier today, what Donald Trump did last night was sort of lay the the overall framework for this defense, if you would, that this was we were working through this. It was this is uh, the way it normally happens. The President's Records Act supplies here. We should have been given time. And all of a sudden they throw a subpoena on us. They come take my stuff. They don't. They don't give us any time, and he tries to ba- balance it off to you know all the way back to the Clinton sock case to the, to everything else. So what he did was he sort of laid out. If I was Jack Smith, I was sitting there listening to it. I would say, okay, this well, this is what we knew he was going to do, but this is the plan that they have at this point. How does that work to your advantage if the, the prosecution knows your defense? <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't. I, I, well, it's, it's the, um, if, if this was the first time he'd ever said it, it'd been one thing, but this has been said, you know, so many times in the, in the past. I think it's just what they're expecting. But again, some of this is too. You just have to look at it. To, and, and questions that I've had is illegal. Uh, as someone who's not seen the evidence and someone who's fully admitted, you know, I don't have this box front. But when you tell me that he showed or he had in front of him this and he says that you know these are classified did he actually show them to them did he had it what was it actually on the page if they didn't see it what would it actually say um i mean these are all questions that the you know are now out in the public record it can be asked in a trial yeah so here is more from trump cut three you want to talk about a mess take a look at biden where he's got 1,850 boxes. He has boxes stored in Chinatown in D.C. He has boxes stored at Penn Center. And he has boxes under his Corvette and around his Corvette, sitting in a garage for years, where it was very seriously classified. I have every right to have those boxes. This is purely a Presidential Records Act. This is not a criminal thing. In fact, the New York Times, of all, had a story just the other day that... The only way Nara could ever get this stuff, this back, would be, please, 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 could we have it back? I don't know what that means. No, I, th- I think what he's trying to say is is that under the President's Records Act, that he has the right, just as they gave Clinton, Hillary Clinton, the right to go through her own stuff, but she decided what she was going to turn over and what she's not going to turn over. You went through this with Clinton. You went through it with Biden. You went through it with Bush. And, and I think, again, this goes down to the argument, but I think that what DOJ is focusing on is when we finally, you know, whether you like the time frame or not, we asked for this stuff under subpoena. We asked for this stuff and you decided that you want, you know, we're tell, saying that you didn't comply with those, you know, subpoenas you were, were taking these and it, and it made it further. I think, again, when you look at this case, he's laying out the popular narrative of what uh, he believes to be right. The question will be, and the judge is going to decide legally, what was, uh, you know, did they rush this case? Did DOJ, you know, is it this two-steer justice as you spoke of earlier? We'll see. Yeah, we're going to come back and get more analysis from Congressman Doug Collins. You're going to be on Outnumber today? Yep. Outnumber, he's going to play the middle seat, and then Molly Lyon will bring us up to date 
Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think the whole thing here that really worries me is not what Tony Blinken has said. A lot of what he said is just standard boilerplate. It's the body language and the optics. It's frankly the position of supplicant that the administration has appeared to be to get that meeting. What did they promise to get that meeting with Xi Jinping? That was not clearly going to happen. And the Chinese foreign minister just a couple of days ago lambasted the United States for being wholly responsible. The Chinese have not changed their tune. They definitely have not changed their tune on an unprecedented peacetime military buildup specifically designed to take us on to subordinate Taiwan. So I'm really worried. What I fear is the administration's trying to turn down the temperature with China, maybe because they want to focus on Europe or they're gearing up for the election. But that's just asking for trouble because China can smell weakness. Uh, of course it is. And we're all seeing how weakness it is. Blinken begging for this meeting that was delayed because of a Chinese spy balloon over our country. They should be begging us. Then we find a, this Cuban spy station exposed in the Wall Street Journal. Now we find out there's four of them. And the Secretary of State was just so honored to get to meet with President Xi. And guess what they promised? Eventually, another meeting in Washington with the foreign secretary. They asked, can we set up a dedicated line to deconflict? Should there be misunderstanding between defense uh, agencies? The answer was no. With me now for a, a couple more minutes is Doug Collins. Doug, do you believe that? Do you think Eldridge Colby's assessment of this is correct? I don't think we gave anything. I'll be honest. I think this was all China saying, look, we can string this long, string this long, string this long, and then we can make him look weak. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, you go there with one of your intentions to deconflict military. If someone is in the military, that is a huge issue. And most people don't realize that the superpowers, the big powers, we all talk. I mean, it may not be, you know, we don't share secrets, but we talk like, hey, I'm going to have a ship here. You're going to have a ship here. Let's make sure we don't. And we're seeing problems in the Taiwanese Strait right now with the ships and the cutting off from Chinese ships. On purpose. On purpose. And you're seeing planes, you know being very reckless against drones. So the last thing they want is yeah. a call saying, hey, guys, you're heading right towards my destroyer. They yeah. just want to do it. Yeah, they want to, they want to be a, a part of it. So this is, again, there's no victory here that I could see. There's nothing that was gained here. Uh, she actually just, you know, took 30 minutes out of his day to just show Blinken to be, uh, you know, basically helpless in this situation. And I think this is an interesting thing. China has something that Russia, and I'm going to bring up something here. China has something Russia never had. Both, you know, we always considered the Cold War with Russia as a super proud of the military. They never had the economics. China does. China has both. They're like us. They have the economic power and the military. But they power. are slumping right now. A little bit, yeah, because you cannot continue to do what they're It's like the old saying, you can't continue to spend other people's money because other people will run out of money eventually. And they just can't keep printing and doing what they're doing. Between the pandemic and the variants. Everything that they're having. And then also what they've done, you know, to sort of, you know, sort of work inside their own system, moving people around, you know, building cities and just doing that kind of building. You just don't have the money for Um so they're having to continue that economic uh, function out there. The question will be is do they want to at some point is where they want to take their economic status and their military status and do they want to hold, what will they hold serve or are they going to take a step that would in jeopardy that? Right. So if uh, we're now to, uh, covering two stories, 
Looks like a slap on the wrist for Hunter Biden. He's got a $1.2 million tax bill. He's got two years to pay it off, it looks like. Uh, the gun charge looks like he's going to get away with just probation on both those things. And he's already had a $2 million tax bill paid by somebody else. So uh, now the president's already made a statement through his spokesperson that they support Hunter Biden. So they want to turn the page on that. And then we have the other story about Donald Trump on the documents case, having an August 14th date that you think will be delayed. But it shows how determined Cannon is. Eileen Cannon, the judge, to get this thing started and get it underway. And we know, too, that the uh, the first debate is in August. If not Trump, Doug Collins, who do you think – who has impressed you so far? Well, I think the first off, I think Trump goes nowhere. But let's just say for an argument's sake, I think it becomes an open field. I think DeSantis would have the early inside shot. He's just built up that guy. But when you look at the numbers and you look at some of the folks getting here, I think it also, if that were to happen, you've not seen the field completed. I think there would be others who would Yunkin get in. Would get Yunkin in. would get in in, in, a, in a hurry. I think you would see that. You may even see – you might even see somebody else. But then you got that sort of the 16 problem that you had. You have so many candidates out there, and it'll be who rises to the top. Right now, I think pretty even. Wow, yeah, and right now it's uh, Trump by a lot, in yep. his words. Yes. 53-23, and we'll see what this case does. And he had that big interview. Part two will be tonight with Brett Baer. We'll watch you, Doug Collins, at noon with one – with uh, – Outnumbered. Outnumbered, folks. I almost said one nation. Uh, <laughs> uh, back in a moment, Molly Lyon, the latest on this Titanic submersive. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. You know, having been there, I would say that the worst scenario would be to run out of oxygen over time. Um, if they did have a breach of some kind and it were to implode, it's over immediately and there's no suffering. And I have to say that when you go down there, the knowledge that that might happen is really comforting. And so, you know, so to me, the worst scenario is that they will run out of oxygen before they can be rescued. So Don Lynch, who went down there, a Titanic historian on Fox and Friends two hours ago with me, talks about what's happened with the submersible, five people on board exploring the Titanic. Weather was not great. They only had a small window and uh, something happened. They've lost total contact, 96 hours worth of oxygen. They're down to about 70 now. Thursday morning, it's done. It's finished. It's through. And it's sad. Uh, with me right now, covering the story is Molly Lyon with Fox News. Molly, so far we haven't really had any communication, correct? Oh, certainly uh, not from the vessel itself, the, the sub that they're looking for. We have not gotten any information that there's been any sort of ping or location or any progress made at, as far as literally touching base or, or, fi- or finding this the Titan submersible that is missing in any way, shape, or form. There's a considerable amount of effort consistently ongoing in this. Uh, the, the U.S. Coast Guard has said there are, you know, hearts guards, the families and the crew members, and that all those shops are being pulled out. They want to bring these people home safely. They, the U.S. Coast Guard, this is an international operation. They're working with, you know, the uh, joint task force up out of Canada. The U.S. Coast Guard has sent two C-130 Hercules aircraft to Canadians, have poured out a lot of assets to C-130. They have a P-8 Poseidon. This is an aircraft equipped with underwater sonar capability. They also have some aircraft up and the research vessels that are there in the area, the Polar Prince, Deep Energy. The Coast Guard says they're also relying on some commercial vessels that are there in the area, that if they spot anything or see anything. So anybody that's out there in this remote area, some 900 miles from Cape Cod, are all keeping an eye out for anything they might 
see. Uh, of, of course, the, the hope would be that the vessel could be floating somewhere on the surface. That's why there are so many aircraft up and looking uh, with the, 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 the dream that these folks are inside and that someone on the surface will see them, spot them, and be able to bring them to safety. But as you mentioned, the clock is ticking. There's also the possibility that the vessel, the submarine, remains underwater, and it wouldn't be spotted from the aircraft. And in that case, Rear Admiral Marger talked yesterday about the military assets that they may potentially need, which means they called in the U.S. Navy for help on this. So uh, a really dramatic effort uh, being poured in this. And, and we have a little bit of information about some of the folks on board, you know, they're real adventurers. Uh, they have remarkable uh, big backgrounds in business and technology and science. Uh, so fascinating people, and, and our thoughts are, are with them and their families as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the rescue drive, divers said, you know, what if it got hooked on something because the submersible could only go up, uh, can't really steer. Here's what Butch Hendricks said, cut 35. It's going to be in close to the wreckage being able to stay so people can see as much as they can. The potential of it becoming entangled is a very high concern. And the first thought would be that its first problem is probably that it's somewhere attached to a fishing net, some debris. It may have simply gotten caught and it just can't get out of it by itself. Yeah, so if they caught it, there was something they could... Uh, to to jam it loose, but it's just it's the size of a, you know, obviously the size of a cruise ship, but they know exactly where it's located would be an advantage, and they know exactly where they want in, which would be another advantage. But they just don't understand what what happened with it. The communication's totally out. Right, and there's a vast amount of sea just between the surface and the Titanic. And what the information we have is that at uh, from about four a.m. Amish Harding's company, he is one of the folks believed to be on board, his company, Action Aviation, tweeted a series of photos, brilliant photos. Uh, Harding is seen in one of the photos heading out to sea, and then there are another series of photos afterwards showing what appears to be the Titan floating there on the surface uh, just before descending and then descending. So if the information that they have put out, Action Aviation, that the vessel, the crew went in and underwater at about 4 a.m. on Sunday, and then an hour and 45 minutes later, they lose contact. It's an enormous amount of space, even with just that hour 45, just between the surface and the Titanic. And if we don't know where the sub is, it could have drifted. As they mentioned, they've been trying to keep an eye on currents and have some idea of which way the sub may have gone. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, Brian, no problem. But I, I want to say something quickly about the amazing individuals that are in, inside. Of those we know, Amish Harding, who is a pilot, adventurer, amazing guy, Shazada Dawood, and his son Suleiman, reported by their company out of Pakistan. Uh, he is uh, a vice chairman there of a big conglomerate company in Pakistan. They've said that he is on board. And another gentleman, French mariner, Paul Henry Narjolette, considered one of the leading experts on the Titanic, is also feared to be among the five on this vessel. Brilliant people, adventurers, scientists, unfortunately, they're sealed inside of the submarine, so it's not clear that there's really much they can do to help themselves where they are uh, right now. And, of course, the, the U.S. Coast Guard continues its mission to find them. Yeah, you, you forget the danger when you, you pay shell out this big money to have these once-in-a-lifetime experiences, whether it's going to space or going uh, into the ocean. You know, you forget about the risks, um, and we can't do that. 
Thanks so much, Myla. I appreciate it. She's covering the submersible. You got it. Uh, Thank you. Uh, She's covering the submersible situation right around the Titanic where five people went into this uh, with the submersive to go ahead and see the Titanic, which is interesting. Uh, Which is interesting is they said that the weather is so bad. One of the statements from one of the rich uh, youth went from the U.K. billionaire was this looks like it's the only window that anyone this year will be able to go down and see it. So maybe the weather wasn't actually much better than they thought. Here's where Rear Admiral John Moger uh, from Boston talked about what's at stake here. He's commander of the 1st Coast Guard District, Cut 30. We understand from the operator of the vessel that the vessel uh, was designed with a 96-hour sustainment uh, capability if there was an emergency on board. Uh, And so uh, we're using that time, making the best use of every moment of that time to uh, locate the vessel. Yeah, so they're using every moment of that time, but they still want to get to the bottom of it. Cut 31. Right now we're focused on locating the vessel, but at the same time, if we find this vessel uh, in the water, then we will have to uh, effect some sort of rescue or coordinating, uh, reaching out to uh, different uh, partners within the U.S. Uh, Navy, uh, within the Canadian uh, Armed Forces, and within private industry to understand what uh, underwater rescue capability might be available. All right. Uh, so that's a quick look at what's happening with this at submersive. Anything that develops on it, we'll let you know. Uh, time, sadly, is ticking. John, listening on Fox Nation, that means you're watching. Uh, hey, John. Hi. Good morning, Brian. I just wanted to say I'm a 23-year veteran from the United States Navy. I love my country, but I am ashamed of my government with what's going on with Hunter Biden, what's going on with Clinton, and what's going on with the, the former president. I am ashamed of what they're doing, and uh, and I'm not only ashamed, but I'm afraid of my government because if this could happen to to former presidents, it could happen to people like me. So, in case you do not know, it looks like Trump's going to have this rapid trial all of a sudden. They're going to look to slow it down, but August 14th, stunning. No one ever thought that. And then what you're also referring to is the fact that Hunter Biden's going to be uh, getting probation despite gun charges and tax evasion the second time. First, he had a $2 million payment. Then he's got a 1.2, and he's getting off with probation. And now he's got and, a, not, and everyone's going to say, uh, no problem. It's not, even, it's not even tax evasion, Brian. It's failure to pay taxes, which are two misdemeanor charges. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Uh, so Hunter Biden gets a pass. But the bigger story is what Jamie Comer's doing and what the Durham report's going to reveal. We're going to cover it, so don't worry about that. Uh, we're going to cover everything. But the Durham report, John Durham's on Capitol Hill today to expand on his report, which is devastating for the FBI, for the Department of Justice, even though they don't realize it yet. So don't worry about it. Hold on tight. Hopefully justice will prevail. And here's what I'm talking about. Despite all this, and despite Trump doing some self-inflicted wounds, we're still in a dead heat here. And we still haven't picked out the best Republican candidate. Uh, and there's about six or seven really good ones, and some with great potential, if not this uh, cycle, the next one. Dean, listening online in New York. Hey, Dean. Yeah, I noticed Trump does a perp walk, but Hunter doesn't get to do a perp walk. Now I know why Lady Justice's eyes are blind, because they're not. Um, also, the reason why they, 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 they're censoring the news and everyone's putting, they're putting out multiple 
broadcast both at the same time is because a lot of people are oblivious to what the, what's going on with the hunter and the guns and all that and, and the taxes. So there's a lot of people out there who are criminals who do wrong and, and, and don't fill out the forms, and they got to do time. How about this? You have 86,000 IRS agents because all of us horrible Americans are trying to avoid taxes. Well, you got a guy avoiding $3 million worth of taxes, and he gets probation. What kind of weapon? What is that? And then you're anti-gun, but yet this guy's getting away, throwing a gun in a, in a, uh, in a trash bin and lying on a form? Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, uh, welcome back, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to go on FBN, do a simulcast with Stuart Varney in a matter of moments. Uh, and then we'll take your calls on the other end. So I see you uh, out there. Get on the line, one 408 Two things we're looking at. The, the classified documents case we thought was probably going to hit as early as January, that's the earliest I thought. Now it looks like August 14th, they're telling both sides to be ready. I don't see any way Donald Trump's side can be ready, but the fact that they want the 14th is significant. So let's listen in. Here is Brian Kilmeade. All right, Brian, let's get straight at it. The Hunter Biden charges and his guilty plea. Trump calls this a sweetheart deal. What say you? There's no question it is. I mean, this is his second tax problem. This is $1.2 million. The other one was $2 million. Someone else wrote that check for him. I don't know who's going to write this one. He's got that kid out of wedlock. They are saying that they, he's not making any of the payments or he wants less payments while flying in a private jet to go uh, hear his case and plead his side. And now we find out between the gun case where he lied on a form and then tossed it in a dumpster which, by the way, his dad spends all his time talking about guns and how evil they are. Maybe he should talk to his son at the dinner table. Oops, forgot. They don't talk about any stuff like this. And then the tax case. What kind of message is that? Didn't he go out of his way to get financing for 87,000 new uh, IRS agents because of people like, I don't know, this, who are not paying their yeah. taxes? These are the horrible people that don't pay their taxes. Right, Stuart? Yes, <laughs> exactly. The horrible people that don't pay their taxes, the wicked rich, etc., etc. My question is, will the media finally pick up on this story and do something about it? My, my suggestion is no, they will not. What say you? I say they're going to pick up for the wrong reasons. No, they're going to say even the president's son had to pay a yep. price for illegal activity. And this poor guy, and we know a lot of people get addicted to drugs and they do things to break the law. Thankfully, he's on the straight and narrow. That's what you're going to be hearing. And it's going to be in and it's going to be out. And they're like, Hunter met his justice. Now it's the president's turn. The other story is the rapid trial that trial Trump's got to deal with now. August 14th, legal experts say, hey, that's going to be delayed. But the fact that Judge Cannon wants this that quick, that's significant because that's around the first debate or around the first primary. And then yep. you got the February case with, uh, with Alvin Bragg yep. and maybe two more indictments. Man, it's hard to imagine a more news-filled period in our, in our lives. We're getting some reaction coming in to the uh, guilty pleas by uh, Hunter Biden. Vivek Ramaswamy, GOP Republic, uh, candidate for the presidency, he says, quote, the Hunter Biden plea deal is a joke. It's a feigned retreat and AMP uh, reveals they're even more scared than ever of scrutiny. I think you probably agree with that one. 
Um, I think that's going to be the reaction across the, pretty much across the Republican board. But I, I'm just going to be intrigued at how the Democrats can possibly say that this is fair and equal justice. It's not. I'm like they're going to play the drug thing. This guy was addicted to drugs. You know what he was doing? So he was caught in that uh, the laptop with the hookers and the crack and the crack and the hookers and that laptop that everyone says was classic Russian disinformation now is proof of what kind of life he led, and they'll lean on that. The other thing to keep in mind, too, you know what else is today? The Dorm Report. John Dorm goes on Capitol Hill and finds out the ugly truth about the way all these, uh, the Russia hoax was, uh, was perpetrated, how it was pushed forward by phony means, that they knew all along this was a phony uh, investigation. They knew all along that it was going to hurt the country and it was going to hurt U.S.-Russia relations. What do you even think of Vladimir Putin? You don't need to make up charges on Vladimir Putin. He does a lot on his own. They made it up. So that's what Dorm's going to say today. But now this is probably going to be the number one story and then the trial and the other one. So I think timing is everything. Also, Bill Barr coming out on all the channels saying, what has happened to this investigation that I handed over? To the attorney general in Delaware, he hasn't done anything. And now that pressure was heating up. The FBI was done with their investigation. It was in his lap. He couldn't delay anymore with any logic. So here we go. Yep. Uh, let me change the subject. Um, Lionel Messi's first game with uh, Major League Soccer, uh, the uh, Inter Milan team, it's going to be July the 21st. The so-called cheap seats are going for a thousand bucks a pop. You're a soccer guy, 1,080 for the cheap seats. Standing room only tickets? Good Lord, 1,080 bucks. You, would you be tempted to go, Brian? I would, but I think it's better here when it comes to the Red Bulls in August. Red Bull Arena's in Harrison, New Jersey. Beautiful little arena. 18,000 will not be enough. I think they make a bid for MetLife. I think they could get 65,000. To go watch this guy play. I mean, that's how serious. If it, if the rent matches the revenue, I think they go one eight hundred Jets and Giants. Can we borrow your stadium? You can use ours, and we go over there. And suddenly, Stuart Varney and Brian Kilmeade have to do the lead analysis for the FBN FN Fox News Channel, and then America gets served along with MLS being served. What do you think, Stuart? Oh, you're on. You're on. Just can you meet my fee? It's as simple as that. No, no, Brian, no. Kill me. You have to ask Lauren Pedersen if you can go cover it for FBN, and I'll do the best I can with Jay Wallace. Yeah, yes, you can come. Everybody can come, okay, and I'll pay. Uh, Brian, we're out of time. No, we won't. We're done. We're done. Still ahead. Jimmy Fekula. All right. 1-866-408-7669. Tony listening in Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Tony. Hi. How are you, Brian? Good. So, you know, it's Everyone loves the story of the Titanic, and it's just so eerie because, you know, I know the biggest thing with the Titanic when it went down was it, it, it didn't have enough lifeboats. And here, what seems to be clear is that this trip that the Titan Submersive took um, only had, like, radio communication with this, this other support ship, which was the Polar. And it just seems to be that the person who did all these trips to the Titanic, this um, diver sort of person who did all those trips that James Cameron was part of and other expeditions, he was supposed to be on the ship and he wasn't there. So clearly they didn't have any guiding light, you know, any new, uh, sort of uh, gui guiding thing that said, you they didn't know, have a lot like of experience. Hear. You know what I heard too, and I knew very little about this, Tony. I did not know the Russians, for example, would never send a submersible down by itself, always in pairs. 
something goes wrong, you have a way to report communication that can do it. It's hard to imagine two things going wrong with two separate subs, but that's what we're looking at now. We're still, it's a big mystery. Uh, again, the Titanic keeps, uh, uh, keeps taking, it seems. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Everyone, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. We're following a series of events, including a quick trial, looks like, for Trump on classified documents. Could start as early as August 14th. And then the latest on the Hunter Biden uh, tax and gun case. It looks like he is close to cutting a deal, saying it's not over, but it looks like this thing is over, and this guy's going to get just probation, which is a joke. Um, uh, we're going to talk to Kennedy at the bottom of the hour, expand on both these things, and also let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If they did have a breach of some kind and it were to implode, it's over immediately and there's no suffering. So to me, the worst scenario is that they will run out of oxygen before they can be rescued. Pretty terrible. Titanic takes more lives, perhaps. Well, it seems like that as we hope for the best but fear the worst. As a submersible to tour the Titanic has not come up for air. Literally, we have 96 hours down to 70 to find the submersible before it's too late. Number two. Important things for me to do on this trip was to disabuse our Chinese hosts of the notion that we are seeking to economically contain them. We're not. We are not about decoupling. I'd love to be decoupling and containing. Uh, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, goes over with a weak hand to Beijing and comes out with a weakened position. After 10 hours of talks, we'll discuss. Number one. Why not just hand them over then? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. All right. Too busy. Now big trouble. Uh, Trump speaks, fights, uh, reflects and projects. Four more years with him at the helm would look like if Donald Trump wins, in fact, this election. Meanwhile, President Biden's in, on the West Coast right now campaigning in campaign mode and making gaffe after gaffe. That's the big difference between now and 2020. This time, he's actually got to earn it. You have the big stories on the cover of the New York Post today that I think affects everybody, if not directly, indirectly. And that is the number of teens who don't enjoy life has doubled, has said they are depressed, has doubled. University of Michigan does this study. And thanks to social media, uh, generation to generation, the real difference between Gen Z and Gen X and the boomers and others is that with this social media more and more of teens, early 20s, are saying, I can't do anything right. I do not enjoy my life. My life is not useful. Roughly twice as much as even a decade ago. Tom Kirsting has called it. He is a family therapist and author of Disconnected and Raising Healthy Teenagers. And, uh, Tom, great to, great to hear from you. Thanks for calling in. Your thoughts about the cover story of the New York Post today. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me. Uh, good to talk to you. Yeah, so I'm, not, I'm actually not surprised by this. This is something I've been writing about and lecturing about for the last 14 years. Um, but I am concerned. You know, it's something that, like my part in society is getting out there and trying to help parents, you know, make changes in their kids' lives. Our kids are spending nine hours a day on another planet called Cyberworld. And when you really think about it, when you break that down, if you're living on another, in another world, the majority of your waking hours, how are you going to be able to thrive in, 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 in the real world on planet Earth. Think about that. 
I hear you. Uh, real life problems, real life issues. And if you can't get your head out of your phone or off your uh, console, you got a problem. And that's why they're moving legislation, I think, through both the House and Senate to stop kids from even having social media until 13, 14 years old. Will that help? Yeah, I mean, I think it should be later than that. I think, uh, you know, 16, 17, if they could do that, I'm all for that. You think about it, take take an adolescent, right, a preteen teenager. And I always, you know, when I'm lecturing and stuff, I'm always saying if I can give the word adolescence a one-word definition, the word I would choose is insecurity, right? And that's normal. That's the way it's always been. But now you layer in social media, comparing oneself to others, cancel culture, uh, being excluded from this event and that event, looking at everybody's perfect life and comparing yours to theirs. And, and, and of course, kids are going to lack you know, meaning and purpose in life. I mean, you know, and, and, and this is this is the world we live in. But, you know, I'm, I'm, me and other people out there are trying to be, kind of do a, an about face and, and get parents to start taking control in their households and get their kids living, you know, as, as social, emotional beings. I mean, look, Tom, working through the halls in high school and junior high school, that's not easy. only for a handful of people. Do you walk through as the most popular guy or woman, rest uh, or girl? Uh, the rest of the time, you, you always deal with things where you don't feel isolated, you don't have enough friends, you get cut from a team. There are real-life teenage issues. What is it about social media that makes it more intense? Yeah, well, you know, you're right about that, like real life, dealing with adversities, overcoming, you know, the old expression, like before you succeed, you have to fail. You know, part of that is the, is the whole trophy generation, the kind of protecting our kids from any kind of pain, fawning over them and so forth. Um, you know, and that's just setting like a mindset of anytime something doesn't go their way or if they're not invited to this or that or if they're, you know, um, excluded from some friend group, you know, it becomes catastrophic in their mind. So this is the nearly half of teens say they agree with this phrase. I can't do anything right. I do enjoy. I do not enjoy life. My life is not useful. That's twice as many as just 10 years ago. So they agree with it. So this is an extensive study of different generations. If a patient like that or a kid came in, a 14-year-old, and said those things to you, how do you begin to bring them back into society? Well, so that right there is a, is a thought process, right? So I always tell people an emotion, however we feel, is really a symptom of what we're thinking. So if our kids' subconscious minds are just be from, you know, the constant, constant information being downloaded into their minds, you know, it's filled with fear, doubt, worry, and so forth. Um, what I do as a therapist is I try to – I work really hard on helping them reframe their thinking, all right? And it starts with pausing sitting in silence on a daily basis, right, inventorying everything that we're, that they are grateful for. It's called attitude of gratitude. And I tell kids in America, and I have tons of teenagers coming to my office every week, and I tell them that things that you consider, you know, to be a problem, like you didn't get into this college, you got to see on this test, you know, it's the end of the world. The things that you complain about, 99% of the, pe- of the, the rest of the people on the planet Earth would do anything to have the opportunity to complain about that. Think about that. So you try to compare it to other societies, Bangladesh? Not necessarily other societies, but like, you know, so, you know, kids, adults, all of us, we fail to sort of, you know, pause for a moment and and, and focus on what is right, all right? The fact that we have a roof over our head, we have air conditioning in our house, right? We have a school to go to. We have sneakers on our feet. We have friends, right? But those are overshadowed by all the superficial stuff that's filtering into their phones through social media. So, you know, by taking, you know, removing themselves as, uh, for as long as possible from social media, sitting and thinking, because they're distracted, right? So they, they, all this is they're doing is distracting them. And ultimately, what it's distracting them from 
is self, understanding self. That's what self-esteem is. It, it can't come from the outside and it has to come from the inside out. All right. So what about some people say, OK, he's depressed. He must need medication. Do you fear that, that a lot of people yeah, are getting you know, medicated because of this? I, I really do. I mean, you look at big pharma. I mean, every commercial is about you know, we want to have somebody on some kind of a medication. I always say, like, you know, I'm not anti-medication. I think medication should be the last thing, you know, before attempting other, you know, you know interventions like therapy. Um, you know, if somebody can't get out of bed and can't function and they're suicidal, then, yes, you know, medication can help get them the baseline. But, you know, if somebody's just down but they're still functioning and they're going to school and they're doing okay, you know, Start them in therapy first. Let them help have a professional help them, you know, understand thought, understand emotion and build, you know, a positive mental well-being instead of, you know, being victimized right. subconsciously by all that is not going well. All right. So real quick, uh, before I let you go, Tom, I know I appreciate your time. So if you have a kid, 14, 15, you can see that he or she's depressed. You see that on Friday, Saturday night, they just don't want to do anything. They're losing. They don't want to leave their room. And then you say, OK, the problem is social media. Give me the phone. They'll say, are you kidding me? Then I'll lose total contact. I'll have nobody to get in touch with. I'll have no idea what's going on. So people don't want to deal with that backlash, especially with a teenager. What do you do then? Well, that's the biggest problem. And, you know, I always tell parents that that question is asked to me every time, Brian, at every lecture. And I talk about that in, my, in raising healthy teenagers. You know, parents have to we, – we have to parent up. Teenagers are literally spending all their time in their bedrooms and they're on their phones, and those phones are staying with them in their bedrooms overnight. And you don't necessarily have to remove it entirely. Just set a, t- a time at night, right? That phone comes out of your bedroom at night because kids are getting sleep deprived. You know, they get caught up in fear and FOMO, fear of missing out. That's step number one. Get our kids out of the bedroom and into the family room. Bed- bedroom starts with bed. That's where they're supposed to sleep. Family room starts with family. The more we get them out of that bedroom and our presence when they're in, in the house, that parent-child relationship is probably the most important thing for, for mental health outcomes. All right. Thanks so much. Tom, appreciate it. Uh, it's alarming Thank to you. see that story and then to see how well-sourced it is and how pervasive it is. It came from the University of Michigan, and everyone should go check it out and see if your kid uh, is uh, displaying some of these symptoms. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, and pick up his book, Raising Healthy Teens and Disconnected. He's all over this. Before anybody else, he saw a problem with it. Alex, uh, you're... Co- you're uh, you're in California. Thanks so much for calling. What's on your mind? Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, say that uh, with regards to China and Taiwan, uh, Acer, the sixth largest computer company based in Taiwan, actually evaded uh, economic sanctions and shipped uh, millions of dollars of computer equipment to Russia. And I, I feel that when something like this happens, the United States should not sacrifice any blood or treasure to defend the Taiwanese. They should let them uh, do whatever they want, and we just keep to ourselves. Uh, um, I know what you're saying. That bothers me. I did not know that. You gave me information. I'll follow up on that. Uh, but Taiwan, it's to our advantage. We need that Taiwan straight. Uh, have a democracy in that region is great. Have an enterprising, prosperous democracy almost is a taunting display for China. This is what you could have. If you just opened up your uh, opened up the markets and provide some free will to your people, allowed some free will for your people. But I do not want to abandon Taiwan. And that's what worries me about Donald Trump a little. I think he was leaning towards ah, What can we do about it? Uh, we got to do a lot about it. And, and you got to ask Japan, South Korea and Australia and New Zealand if they're comfortable giving up Taiwan because they know they'll be next. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Before we invite Kennedy in, I'll have more pro- I'll have more quality time with just you guys. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. Don't move. 
Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. He needs to be combative because people feel like he's fighting for them. He feels that if you just take it laying down, they'll get their way with you. And look at the media. They're sitting back and they think it's going to be hard for Donald Trump, who's beating Joe Biden in other polls, to win. I don't think it's going to be hard at all. And I think if it's a cage match rematch, the one thing Trump needs to change, and I told him this, is in a debate with Joe Biden, let him speak. Literally, just sit back and let him speak. Numbers numb that man's brain, and he won't be able to, to, to take 90 minutes of standing there speaking. And he didn't. I mean, all he had to do was get up for two debates. One was canceled, and then he barely had to campaign at all. He used the pandemic as an excuse, sometimes legitimate and sometimes illegitimate, going to drive-in movies. And he barely could even understand him when he was, was speaking in the open parking lot. But he's not going to have that now. So many people ask me, what's going to be the difference? Well, the difference is... We got a report card on Joe Biden. We also see with our eyes what he can do. And now we're going to watch him campaign multiple events a day. And he got off to a terrible start. I don't see it getting much better. And then you wonder how soon, too, Governor Gavin Newsom jumps in. Meanwhile, the other big news is Hunter Biden found uh, it looks like he's pled guilty and gotten probation for a weapons charge as well as not paying his taxes. Kevin McCarthy, instant reaction. It's not the best audio, but I want you to hear the speaker. My first reaction is it continues to show the two-tier system in America. If you are the president's leading political opponent, the DOJ tries to literally put you in jail and give you prison time. If you are the president's son, you get a sweetheart deal. Now, this does nothing to our investigation. It actually should enhance our investigation because the DOJ should not be able to withhold any information now saying that because of pending investigation, they should be able to provide Chairman Comer with any information that he requires. Haven't thought about that. That's so true. Patrick, listen on KRMG in Oklahoma. Hey, Patrick. Hey, good afternoon. What's on your mind? You're upset about the Hunter plea deal? Busiest man I know. (laughs) The Hunter Biden. (laughs) How does... um, uh, It's just uh, another story about the Democrats getting away with stuff. For now, but, uh, I mean, but the investigation's not over. I mean, you're going to see the bigger picture with Comer coming through. But it's unbelievable. They should be embarrassed that this guy has a second tax problem. And then you have the gun charge. And that's what the president always talks about is guns. Uh, Republicans love guns, the NRA. This guy's throwing guns that he shouldn't have gotten, lying on forms and tossing them into dumpsters. He, the president oh, should that. be eliminated from ever talking about it again. Okay, okay, Brian, that, that's my problem. Uh, how many times was Trump uh, impeached? Twice. Twice. And the second time, it only took him two weeks to impeach him on the lies, you know? And- Jen, yeah. On the, the, the Ukraine thing was a joke. We said that all along. Nancy Pelosi uh, was determined to do that and find something, and she did it with that. And now you have... The thing after January 6th, he was already out the door. No one really paid attention, but he got it stopped in the Senate. And we'll see. He's going to fight it out. Now we find out that his trial has been moved up. And even if he pushes it back, it's hard to imagine being pushed back a year. Steve, listen, in Pensacola Beach. Hey, Steve. 
Uh, Brian, I was charged with 18 uh, U.S. Code 18922G3 after 27 years of service to my country and community. I was a county commissioner in Mobile, had some extenuating circumstances. The federal government came back and charged me after I told them I had smoked a joint the day before. They came back not possessing, not having. I had legal permitted firearms issued to me by the sheriff's office. The federal government came back charged me with that same thing with hunter biden never had a speeding ticket you know what i ended up with what first time offender 15 months in federal prison i served with Lord conrad black down in miami for having a legal permitted firearm and just admitting that i had smoked marijuana and so that would be probably 80 percent of the united states now i admit my mistakes and i admit i take my responsibility but there is a two-tiered system of justice in this country and it real, really ticks people like me off that want to serve the community and try to do good but make mistakes and then you see what he gets and then i sat in 15, 15 months in federal prison as a first-time offender oh man steve that that really must burn you i can only imagine thanks so much for the call uh don you're responding whlo in ohio um you you're a uh, uh, you're responding to the the depression with kids thanks to social media. What's on? What want to expand on that? Yeah, I think people got to realize. All right, let's take the comparison to farmers who have their sons and their children that we teach them how to do chores and stuff. They have a reason to get up and get out of bed in the morning. So if you take a percentage of the city people that you you're saying be on a computer for eight hours and things, and so my point is. I mean, every teenager, I don't care how much money your parents are worth, you should be getting a job, don't you think? Well, you have chores around home. If you've got a house and an acre, you know, you could have a big garden and the kids could be in charge of it. I mean, that takes some time to go out there and read that every couple of days every week. So don't give them so much idle time. But we, we teach the kids at a young age and they learn how to, at 16, they know how to do things. We wait until they're about 14 to start teaching them stuff. And they're already in the girls. Now, you tell me how you're going to teach them something once they're already in the girls. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. You can still, uh, they get you a job. I don't care how many girls they want to date. Uh, that might be an inspiration. Also, uh, girls, same thing. It's not just guys. The social media is making people feel bad about themselves. It limits their self-worth. You got to pull it back. Go back to the way it was. Give up on Instagram for a while. TikTok, I already gave up on. I hope you did, too. Kennedy next. And your calls. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. Really? So besides the crack, the hookers... And forgetting to pay taxes already for two million dollars now one point two million he's been a dream he's been uh, basically the coast is clear with Hunter Biden. Are you kidding me? He's the personification of corruption, even if he represents what you asked him to do uh with me right now is Kennedy um host of Kennedy Saves the World podcast, which is now daily. You can follow her at Kennedy Nation and see her all around the channel. Kennedy, first off, the impact I've been getting for these calls. Since Hunter Biden reaches a plea deal on his charges are off the hook. People could not be uh, angrier. 
You're not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. No. Um, and if if you're going to go after Trump, you can't just let Hunter skate. You know, if it's if you're going to be outraged by mishandling documents, then anyone who has done anything afoul of the law. And I'm not saying that Trump has done nothing. I think, you know, these things are not mutually exclusive exclusive. I think that, you know, Trump is in deep yogurt with some of the federal charges. I also think that it is a highly politicized case. And I think Mm -hmm. the DOJ has been politically weaponized. I do believe both those things are true simultaneously. Hunter Biden is obviously being protected by his father, who has been in government for a very long time and has a lot of old cronies in positions of power. And he has no problem deploying them as shields to protect his family, especially his son. But at some point, if you're going to go after Trump, you have to sacrifice your lamb. Uh, But do you think that's a sacrifice to get probation? I mean, it's something. So at least they can go, well, you know, equal justice under the law. But no one thinks but every that, yeah. every, you know, the 10,000 other people who have yeah. been prosecuted for the same exact crimes and spent time in federal prison. I just had a thing. Did you hear that last caller? I know you're a big fan of mine and you listen to everything I do. The last they caller I had. They don't let me listen. I'm, I was in the hallway. They said no. They said keep walking. We Madam. don't have any audio in the hallway? Not since the troubles. <laughs> um so 13 months in federal prison uh, for a guy that had something with no with, for marijuana mm-hmm. and weapons. So this is this is a guy that's got to come up with one point two million dollars now. Evidently, he can't pay child support uh, for a kid he doesn't acknowledge, but he and he uh, can't pay one point two million. So someone else is going to have to write that check. Here's the other thing. The president can no longer come out and say. Those rich people don't pay their taxes, and that's the problem. I need 87,000 more IRS mm-hmm. agents, and these guns got to take them away. Really? Your son tried to lie on a form and then chucked it in a dumpster. Yeah, which is pretty safe. That's a safe way to dispose of a weapon. No one ever checks I'm there. told, no, it's it's fine. Right. You know? Um, so those are the two things. So what about this? Every expert was saying it's going to be until – November, and if it gets close to the next election, they got to postpone this whole documents case. And then we get this word. In a rapid head-snapping mov- movement, the judge in the Donald Trump classified case uh, has decided, her name is Eileen Cannon, who we appointed August 14th, preliminary trial date. Now, I know it's going to be manipulated a little bit, but it shows you what kind of track it's on. Jack Smith gets exactly what he wants. How could that be? Yeah, you gotta you gotta fast track it before the primaries. You have to do as much damage as possible because you're looking at the probable GOP nominee. So you you have to mortally wound him. Nothing they've done so far has worked. You know, I I think in terms of his avid supporters, they're not gonna look and go, oh wow. He was hiding documents. Oh, I hate the guy now. They're going to be like, wow, the government is going after him. Everything he told us has totally come to fruition. And he's the only one who's telling us the truth. They're all lying to us. They all want our money and they all want power to screw the little guy. Right. Uh, I want you to uh, a little bit to the uh, the give and take with Brett yesterday. Here is uh, uh, Brett talking to Donald Trump. He says, first off, is he worried? Cut one. So you're not worried about this case? Based on the law, zero. Zero. Presidential Records Act plus the act, plus the Clinton case, the Clinton case, which was won by Clinton as president because he took, he took tapes of leaders in his socks. 
zero. Okay. Zero. And every good lawyer has said it. And you've seen that. Every good lawyer has said that. Uh, every good lawyer, every single one. Uh, right. The bad ones have said the opposite. The right. good ones right. we fired are them. on his side. Yeah. Right. So he's got two attorneys got to get up to speed quick and they got to get their, their security clearance at the highest level yeah, in order to look at the evidence. Really, really Doesn't difficult. that take a while? I, I don't know. He should hire John Brennan. You know, he's still got security clearance somehow. Right. Yeah. How did he do James that? James Clapper. Do you think he's available? And you think he would be, have a vigorous defense of Donald Trump? Yeah, probably very vigorous. Probably a man who loves the Constitution and wants to defend it. Right. Just hasn't shown it yet or cut to. So like every other president, I take things out. And in my case, I took it out pretty much in a hurry. But people packed it up and we, we left. And I had clothing in there. I had all sorts of personal items in there. Much, much stuff. And then they said they went to DOJ to subpoena you to get them Which back. they've never done before. Right. And he goes on. Cut three. You want to talk about a mess? Take a look at Biden, where he's got 1,850 boxes. He has boxes stored in Chinatown in D.C. He has boxes stored at Penn Center. And he has boxes under his Corvette and around his Corvette, sitting in a garage for years, where it was very seriously classified. I have every right... To have those boxes. This is purely a presidential records act. This is not a criminal thing. In fact, the New York Times of all had a story just the other day that the only way Nara could ever get this stuff, this back, would be please, 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 could we have it back? Well, I didn't read that uh, story in the New York Times, but he's 100 percent right about the documents. We don't hear anything about uh, Joe Biden's investigation at all. Why hasn't there been a raid? I, I want to know. I just want equal application of the law. Right. He knew That's how to I get out see. of That's what house. If, to- if you're going to throw the former president in jail, do the same with the current president and Hillary Clinton. Like they didn't try to get those 30,000 emails right. off her scrubbed server, her personal server, which was a clear violation of. Every protocol at the, you know, within the Obama administration and the State Department. So why is it that Merrick Garland would take a Jack Smith who has a history of blowing big cases like Bob McDonald, like uh, Senator Menendez, like John Edwards, uh, like uh, Congressman Rizzi? He blew all these cases by being one characteristic, unbelievably aggressive. Mm. Why grab him from the Hague in his, his Star Wars gown and send him over here to go after Trump, knowing that there's an excellent chance if anyone can blow this case, it's the guy that blows the case? Well, maybe he was in a slump during those cases, <laughs> ah. and, and he's due for a home run. See, you know one thing could happen? If Trump finds a way to get some of this stuff tossed out, his team, and he comes away and gets out of this documents case, he's going to be on jet fuel. And Bragg is not going to – that Bragg case is not going to trip him up. What you got to worry about is if Georgia, Georgia. charges him yeah, for and sure. January 6th. No, he's he's got a lot on his plate. It's a it's a buffet of legal challenges, and he's hungry for it. Right. Uh, what did you think of the interview? I thought it was great. I thought it was great, too. I thought it was really fair. I think, you know, Brett Baer is so well prepared, and, you know, he's he's also a great listener. And it, it the the former president's demeanor, it didn't surprise me. Like, I would be mad, too. But I do think he's in deeper yogurt than he thinks he is. Pres- than the president thinks mm-hmm. he is. Um, Not Brett Baer. Right. I don't I, think Brett Baer is using the yogurt scale 
and the, the Not, depth of yogurt. I don't, I don't think he applies that, but I, I think the former president doesn't think the yogurt is deep. This was one question that I enjoyed. Cut eight. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr uh, says you shouldn't be president again. I uh, calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, Barr a, a gutless pig. Uh, <laughs> your second defense secretary is not supporting you called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House Chief of Staff, John Kelly, weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House Chief of Staff, Mick Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock. And your first Defense Secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House <laughs> Press Secretary, Kayla Kennedy, milquetoast. And multiple times you've referred to your Transportation Secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China-loving wife. It's all true, right? I mean, it's just he has done that. He can't he can't wriggle out of that one. Right. So here's what he said. Why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired 10 to 1 that were fantastic. We had a great economy. We had phenomenal people in charge of the economy. We had phenomenal people in the military. I'm not a fan of Millie, and I'm not a fan of certain of the television people. But I knocked out ISIS. I defeated ISIS. They said, Mattis... It would take three years, and I don't think we can do it. I did it in a period of, like, four weeks. There's a lot of people who praise you for your policies. I just said that. That's true. Well, I mean, you just went through a list. But don't forget, for every one you say, I had ten that love us. Right. The royal we. Right. So, I I say I know he'll find people that would work for him if he wins. But you do not, you have to wonder if people are going to think twice before they take the job. Or, you know, what people will uh, still be in the pool. Right. I, I would think I, – I think uh, Mulvaney was great. Uh, direct, he was a, he was OMB director. That's probably where he belonged. And then he was chief of staff for a while acting. He stepped aside for a while. John Kelly was uh, – General Kelly was not a good mix. Would you say that that's – Yeah, that was a weird one. Right. Like, he just did not like the president. The president had a very non-traditional discipline. Right. And the general, the former general, I don't know, maybe he's, a, I don't, can you, are you, I guess he's always general, but he, uh, he eats discipline for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then smathers it on his skin after the and shower. And you just can't understand Mm-mm. the non- It does not, no, it, it does not compute. Like a non-traditional brain does not compute with a linear systems-based military person. See, one plays uh, classical and the other plays jazz. The president gets up in the morning, and plays jazz. He kind of like weaves in and out. Mm-hmm. And the general's like, "What are you doing? Yeah. Where are you going? He's, I'm going to got stop. a jazz flute and a cowbell. Right? Ding 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 ding. You ding, can ding. have both. Yeah. Right? Cowbell, not as demanding. It's hard to play both at the same time. Right. Um, if you had a foot pedal for the cowbell, you could do it. Right, but yeah. you can't. You have mm-hmm. to Is there anything worse, and you know music, than a drum solo? No. No, absolutely not. I do not like drum solos. No, there's a, there's a there's a funny do. joke. What's worse than a drum solo? Which is nothing. <laughs> that made me laugh. And I'm a drummer. Right. Yes. Right now. Yes. Do you ever play your uh, thighs? Yes, sometimes. Right. I mean, not in public because it looks weird and but, people people worry and they'll call my minder, which I don't need. Right. Again. But I do have an electronic drum kit at home that I play. Which means you put your headsets on, no one hears you. Yes. Oh. 
Yeah, it's, it's a New York City apartment. So if I played like a full drum kit, like, I'd get some complaints. Now, do you listen to drums when you're playing them, or do you listen to music and play the drums? I listen to music and play along and try to uh, memorize the drum part as best I can so I can replicate it when I play along with the music. To me, my whole life would just go by. Like by the time you take the headsets off, has you have you missed like a year? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's four days ago, and now I, I don't think I've slept. I haven't eaten. I haven't seen my children. <laughs> Back She's in a trying to uh, listen to Def Leppard. Thanks for making the Brian Kilmeade Show the talkers' number three most important talk show in America. Eight, seven, six. How much higher can we go? The sky's the limit. And lift off with Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Now, I'll give you another example of something really quite shocking. The House Republicans got it together. They put a ban in the Pentagon's authorization last year. No purchasing Chinese drones for the U.S. Army or anybody else. A majority of drones the U.S. Army has purchased all come from China, one particular company called DJI. So the ban was in the Senate. It was in the House. It goes to a kind of secret conference to regulate the differences. Guess what? The sentence about drone purchases was taken out mysteriously and secretly so the drone purchases can continue. Which is nuts. Why would we buy drones from China? Uh, that's what Mike Pillsbury, who has 100 years, who wrote the book 100 Years War. That's what China's uh, doing to us. Kennedy is here now. Pillsbury? Well, he's a smart guy. Absolutely right. right. He is. You're just, you're just um, making fun of his last name. <laughs> right. He would be ambassador to China. Trump promised him he would be ambassador to China. He said he would love it. It's kind of a risky position. Really is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would go there. Right. I don't think you're going to be asked. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think you have much. Because you know what? You don't have any background in China. You have or, China. Or as an ambassador of anything. Right. Except maybe like the 90s. <laughs> no, I think you know what's going on today. So, I mean, don't you – what would you do, Kennedy? You're in charge. Mm-hmm. You find out that China's building four spy stations in Cuba. What do you do? I would build eight. Where? In China. <laughs> I don't think they'd allow. But that. I would. I would say they were Forever Twenty Ones because everyone likes going to Forever Twenty One or Zara. Even better. I'd be like, here's a Zara. Nothing to see here. Send your Uyghurs. But they would. Uh, they would uh, take your intellectual property. They got you Forever Twenty One. Then I'd use really dumb stuff. Right. So you so you dumb it down. Yep. Not bring your. Head. Absolutely right. So I would I, I would all of my my spy secrets I would code in dumb girl language and I would annoy the Chinese out of business. All right, I really don't know what to do with that. That's how you do it. Yeah. Mark my words. So we have not really discussed the fact that uh that Donald Trump told said yesterday to Brett he's not bringing his family with him at all. They're not going. Ivanka's not going. Don Jr's not going. Nobody's going. To the White House a second time. No one's going to be campaigning. Oh, How do you feel about that? That's very interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, that's that's very off brand. You know, part of the charm is is the family. People like seeing the family. It's like the royal family. No one wants to see King Charles on the balcony by himself. They want to see Will and Kate. They want to see the kids. They want to see Prince Louis cover his ears and make faces. He's like the Eric Trump. <laughs> Do you know, well, Baron's tall. Very tall. Maybe this would be Ted Barron's opportunity. Maybe Barron is like, I'm not going. He's like, well, if you're not going, I'm not taking anyone. So did you hear Did you hear about Meghan Markle was doing a podcast but having somebody else do the interviews and she just came back and redid the questions? That is so lame. That is like broadcast news stuff. It, it's like $20 million she's getting paid to do a podcast. How she could you not do. sit there what and ask she people doing? questions? I, I don't understand it. How do we find out what, what's on your podcast? That's a great question. Uh, I am interviewing Brett Baer today. I'm also doing a monologue about cyclists versus cars. Because I have some interesting thoughts as a driver and a cyclist. Am I torn? I am not. But I have I, to save the world, Brian. Right. But if you're going to go across country quickly, you would take? I would probably take an aeroplane. Oh, that's a good point. So, bad question. I fought myself. <laughs> All right, so listen, uh, thanks so much. Make sure to uh, go get Kennedy, Save, Kennedy Saves the World, That's right. wherever you get podcasts. You get this podcast, too, Brian Kilmeade. Let's do it. Wherever you get podcasts. All of them. Keep it here, Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.